Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and excited for today's episode 175. Episode 175, and no one better than Deanna Witter, CRO of the Houston Dynamo and Dash. And Deanna, I just want to say, uh, really excited to learn about your path and your journey as we can all learn a lot from it. Um, and excited for the the interesting insights and advice that you're going to have to provide. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And it's an honor to be on your 175th episode. So congratulations to you all. Thank you. And and excited to put a plug in here for you because a uh, fellow podcaster, uh, just up and running with women, women's blazers. And just tell us a little bit about you know, what got you interested in starting one? And, and then we'll kind of dive into your career path a little bit. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the plug. Um, I started Women Blazers um, available on Apple and Spotify. Um, I, I, I started it because I wanted to contribute to the growth of women in this industry. I think there's just a, um, an opportunity for, for myself and the women I'm speaking to, one, to elevate their profiles, but also to inspire others through the journey um, of each other. So um, as you know, even through this podcast, there's so much power in listening to somebody's journey and, and learning about what they've done and then have a reflection on your own as you're looking to navigate forward. So, No, absolutely. And from a, from a journey perspective, I mean, you took, you took one where you started out, you know, in, in the sales side of things. And I mean, tell us a little bit about kind of your mindset going into, you know, your first job in the industry and, and what was your, I mean, did you ever dream that you could be the CRO of, of a, you know, a major league uh, franchise? No, I mean, to be completely honest, no, I, I never dreamed that. I think, um, you know, dreams are honestly like out of reach in, in most perspectives. And if I go back to the beginning of, of my journey, it, it starts when I was a kid, you know, and just being an athlete, and falling in love with sports and what it meant um, to me and my community in the sense of here are these individuals who are literally living out their dream, getting paid, doing something they absolutely love. And I saw that um, as an opportunity for me as a, as an athlete. Um, so for, for me, it's like, okay, I love being a part of a team, you know, at a young age, I wanted, and it truly made me feel like I was a part of something. Um, I had a fa- I felt like a family. I felt like a community that I could trust and, and it made me feel like I had a purpose in this world, you know, being an athlete. So when I was young, I, I made this claim that I was going to work in sports. And um, I, I did everything in my power to will that um, to happen. So when I did get in um, out of college, um, I knew that I wasn't going to waste this opportunity. I was going to work as hard as I could to continue to contribute back to the sports, uh, the sports world, but specifically at the time, basketball. Um, I was going to give everything I could back to the game that it gave to me. And that's really what was like a real, really early on motivator. You know, motivation is obviously a, a part of it and in getting into the industry, you know, knowing the right people, having people know you. Uh, it's one thing to get your foot in the door, but then to navigate yourself through the industry and through the different jobs and, and parts of the industry can you talk about your approach, you know, after job one, job two, et cetera, and, and, you know, what was your goal kind of going into the office each day, knowing that, all right, I'm a part of this team, but there's more to it than just that. Right. Yeah. For me, I think my approach or my, my, my mentality was like, I want to win each day and every day that I go into the office or even outside of the office, because it's, it's essentially this industry is a lifestyle. If you just go in and work the nine to five, 
then you're going to get nine to five results in your, in your career opportunities. And so for me, it was going above and beyond. And where can I find opportunities to continue to contribute in areas that maybe wasn't even my responsibility? And, and I think that was my mentality. So if I can go in and do my job at the, at the best ability and give my best and then even go and find those inches around me to do even more to contribute to the rest of the organization, I was going to do that. And I think th with that allows you to then build relationships outside of your own team, right? So if you're, for me, I was in the group sales team. Um, and then I'm meeting with, you know, my director or my vice president talking about, you know, season ticket challenges or marketing challenges or single game promotional opportunities. And I'm contributing, you know, on, on, a, on a grander scale. And now I'm somebody who is not only, you know, identifying challenges, but also coming up with solutions. And I think that right there started to really inspire me. Like, I don't want to just sell, like, I want to lead. I want to be a part of contributing to the bigger picture of this, of this team and, and our fan base and our community. Cause I started to understand just how everything connected together. Yeah. You mentioned the contribution aspect and there's a huge difference between being like an individual contributor, right. Versus being a manager and or a leader. And I want to understand, you know, your mindset and your perspectives behind going from an individual contributor where, you know, you are responsible for you, you try and make others around you better, but at the same time, you're still very responsible and accountable for your results. And then you go to the management leadership side and I want to understand kind of what was that transition like and how did you approach, you know, making others around you better? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it, I think that development piece really starts prior to even getting a title, right? You don't need a title to be a leader. And I think that that's proof, you know, in the process of even being an athlete, if you consider back when you, when you played sports, like, mm -hmm. you know, you didn't have to be the captain to be a voice and you didn't have to be the captain to be, you know, the best scorer or a, a big contributor on the team. And I, I, for me, I think I've always taken my 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 learnings from being an athlete and I apply them to how I approach my my job or my or my work and and I take a lot of pride in that that's why when I say like you know I play to win or you know every day it was just an opportunity for me to win the day so I can go into the next competition which would be the next day and it's just sort of that mentality just kept building off so if I can lead from a position of influence like that's the position I wanted to be in I didn't want to bark orders or tell anybody what to do. It's just, how can I be in a position to help other people grow and contribute to their success and to the success of the organization, which ultimately um, that success then contributes to the greater good of a community that you serve um, in terms of a fan base. And so I think early on when, you know, I think it was my second year at the Pacers, um, I, I was on track to be the number one group seller at the time. And I very much appreciated the opportunity when somebody called out like, Hey, will you sit with the inside sales class and share within your process? And, and that right there was just like one of those seeds of going, man, I really enjoy. And, and all of a sudden, like, I didn't care so much about my own success. I was, I was really intrigued and inspired to help other people um, succeed in theirs. And ultimately that became more important to me than my own. And as you know, as you grow, you know, if you're, if you're contributing and investing in other people, well, that same investment is also happening to you at the same time and you don't even know it. No, in, in the respect of, you know, seeing, seeing others succeed and being able to give back is, is uh, for most, right, uh, a lot more rewarding than trying to just succeed yourself. And, you know, when I think to some of the roles that you've had and, and specifically one at the, at the league office at the NBA with, with the Teambo group, right, you're trying to help others succeed. 
um, their success drives your success. And, you know, it's not a typical role around a ton of, of, of the different properties, right? But uh, the Teambo model, you know, is, is something that can certainly be, you know, m- mimicked or, or, or done elsewhere in different ways. What was the one thing that you really learned from that experience that then helped you kind of further along your career at the Cavs and, and now with Houston? Yeah, my time with Timo was extremely valuable. I mean, this is an opportunity, to your point, where you're leading at a, in a different aspect. You're not leading people, but you're, you're leading this opportunity to contribute to somebody else's success, as you have said, and, you know, in a very consultant kind of role. And so you come out there, you're looking at ways in which um, they can improve or areas of opportunities and identifying those opportunities and then presenting them um, in teams and leaders at those teams with best practices with the ultimate goal to see them move the needle in, in those areas in, in the right direction or positive direction. And so there was, there was a lot from that position and that opportunity that really um, just really inspired me to go, man, like I cannot wait like to now go back to a team someday and everything I've learned and everything I know in the sense of like, it's okay to, it's okay to try something new and fail and learn and then do it again. It's, you know, it was one of those aspects, like not everybody has the answer. And yet when I was growing, you know, through my time at the Pacers before getting to the league office, I was under the assumption that all of these people and all of these teams and these leadership roles had the answers to everything. And I just wanted somehow to know the answer. But the ultimate answer was that nobody has the answer. And we're all just going through this process of discovery. And there's some there's some really key like you know, playbook stuff um, that you get your you, you get open to or um, are now exposed to you. But then there were the other areas of like, it's just about being curious and being innovative and being at the forefront of that and having no fear to kind of push those envelopes so that you can see what it could, could bring. That's what, that's what that did for me. And so when I got to go to the Cavs, you know, I was lucky to join up with um, Brad Sims, who also came from Kimbo. He was a CRO who brought me in and to team up with somebody who came from that same background allowed us to, um, like I said, try new things, be innovative, push the envelope in places and um, really take a position that we always wanted to be a team that was doing things that would that would be le- leading in next practices um, in the industry. And I was I was very um, fortunate to be a part of that part of that team at that time. Yeah, you mentioned the word curious, and and I I almost think that's a it's a it's it's an underrated word, right? Yes. Because you know there's there's all sorts of buzzwords with innovation and digital and this. I, I mean, there's so many things out there that that are kind of those those words in which everyone likes to use, right? But curiosity is one I feel like is not, uh, is not used often enough. And it's the, the thing that really leads you to, to the, the answers or, you know, the opportunities that you would least expect. And I, I, I want to touch on that in the sense of, um, you know, you started your podcast, right. And, and curiosity of maybe listening to some others or, you know, different, different opportunities that you've taken through your journey um, what, what can others learn from maybe what you've learned in a curiosity way, um, in how to approach, whether it's their career, whether it's something they're doing that, you know, tomorrow at their job, but is there a certain, you know, insight that you might have on curiosity? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, I think, I think curiosity and the discovery of curiosity, it's, it's a very personal journey, right? It, it's something deep in you that, that makes you kind of question whether the norm or question what could be next, um, what this other industry is doing, and does it apply, or what you saw in this article, does that apply to my own industry or what I do? And, and you have to just kind of be open to 
the discovery process of that and not just leave the the question out there, but you have to then go through the process of exploring it and then uh, going through the hurdle or maybe the barrier that you might have uh, personally or with your organization to attempt to just see if, you know, put it to test and see if there's something there. Um, I think it's a process. Uh, I think it's a personal journey um, as well. You mentioned the personal journey and, and that's certainly a process as well, right? And, and understanding kind of where you are, where you want to get to, but at the same time focusing on today. And as we live in this, this ever-changing world and ever-changing society, um, what advice might you have for those that are, are you know, in the similar spot that you were when you first started and thinking about, okay, how do I navigate through this industry? How do I learn as much as possible? And ultimately, uh, the one piece I want to hit on is, is how do I work for really good people? Uh, because you can kind of tell that's that's a trend for you, right? Is working for really good people who have kind of strung you along the way in that sense. Yeah, you know, I think from the very beginning, there's a sense of, um, I, I talk about this often if I do interviews like this, and it's one of those things I, I, I can't ever like go away from, but you have to love what you do. And you have to love it from the very beginning, I feel like. And that's for me, like, loving what I was doing and loving the, the, the process and um, the pain of the process sometimes, you know, of, of, um, of, of being told no or not getting an opportunity to allow myself to kind of break myself down a little bit and build myself up. And then, and then the better version of me is now developed and I can now proceed in this path. And, you know, I think that place I started um, was so interesting because I learned so much about myself in that process. Um, I learned to be more humble um, I learned to be um, balanced in the sense of, of confidence, but not, not so confident where it turns you off. Um, and I think that those are, those are, those are fine lines sometimes. And so for me, that's, that was, that was my process. And I would say that that's kind of the place I started. You know, when you think about the process and how you maybe adjust right along the way, mm -hmm. was there ever like an aha moment for you where you said, I, I need to take this route or this is, this is just an opportunity I can't pass up and, Know, how do you go from one to the next? Yeah, I mean, I'm always open to explore an opportunity if it makes sense and it aligns with my goals. And so when I was, let's say when I was with the Pacers, right, I, I knew that I was in a position where I wanted to be in leadership. And when I had an opportunity and I got to interview for an, um, a leadership position and I didn't get it, um, I decided at that point, okay, you know, what, what does this mean for me? I now know I want this more than anything. And I want to lead now. I know I now want to lead at a higher level. So I, I left so I can get brought in my experience and, and um, went to the Detroit Lions at that point. So the Detroit Lions allowed me to really understand how to sell season tickets because of the Pacers, I was, I was only selling groups. And so I didn't get a traditional inside sales experience where I got to sell all products. So at the, at the Lions, I got to sell seasons and I got to sell in a in the 0 and 16 season of the Lions in 2008. <laughs> so that has a, a whole nother set of experiences. But um, luckily for me, you know, I had an opportunity to go back to the Pacers and become the director of group sales, which I took. And I thought that that was an opportunity that I couldn't have passed up. You know, I was, I was young. Um, I, I felt like I had a lot to prove because I didn't get the job originally. And um, I think that that was a really pivotal point for me is that I think um, it's so easy to, kind of burn bridges. Um, and I didn't burn that bridge. And I'm so happy that I didn't. And I'm happy also that I was open to go back and have the sense of motivation of, of proving myself. And um, I felt like proving myself had been a theme for me for so long, that it, it, it created this kind of like natural chip on my shoulder. 
And um, if there was feedback that I generally got over the years of my journey was that, you know, um, I had a wall up or, you know, I, you can definitely tell I have a chip and I kind of wear that on my, you know, wear that on my sleeve. And there was a point, I think, when I got to the league office where it was, it was almost this, this moment of validation. Like you, you actually do know what you're doing. Somebody does believe in your talent um, and, you, and you have great ideas and you have something to contribute on a greater scale. And then I, I could relieve some of that chip and start to really believe in myself and, and because I knew other people believed in me too. And so I think that was a, a big moment of, of that process for me in this transition. And then when the Cavs opportunity came up, um, it made sense aligned with my goals aligned with this opportunity that I wanted to take what I learned at the league office and put it into place. And I knew that I was rejoining the leadership team as well as the organization that was open to those sort of opportunities, um, for me to do that. And then from there, you know, when you're in ticket sales for your, for your whole career, there's always that question, like, can your leadership, um, extend and cross over to lead corporate partnerships and other revenue generating areas. And so for me, that had been sort of this sort of opportunity where I'm like, I want to prove that leadership prevails and that the processes that go along with that will allow me to, to show that, um, that I can do it. And it wasn't, it wasn't a sense of proving anymore. It was just about finding the right opportunity that made sense where I wanted to exercise that opportunity with the right leader and the right league with the right organization. And that's where it's led me here today to, to the dynamo and the dash. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, that when you wear that chief revenue hat, right, it's, it's the context, it's just different, right? So you went from, you know, basketball to football to basketball, you know, back to soccer, right? And, and the context the the field, the court, whatever it is, the game is just a different context and maybe a different location, right? But right. at the end of the day, you mentioned the processes are all the same or and or transferable, and so when you think about what you've learned in this role and, and look, we're in a, a situation where revenue is more important than it ever has been. And, and not that it wasn't number one, because it always is. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get creative and innovative. And, you know, you think about uh, the areas in which you oversee, you know, being able to take advantage of, you know, an, uh, a championship. Right. Uh, as of recent. So, A, congratulations on that. And then B, right. How do you take advantage of that? of that type of situation and maximize it. They don't come around often. No, they, they definitely don't. I mean, the, even the opportunity with COVID right now and this sort of this, this sort of new environment that we're all working within, like this is an opportunity yet, you know, it feels when it when it all happened, it had this sense of negativity. But again, if you put, if you're going forward with a positive attitude, there's so much to be gained and learned through this process that we're going to, that's going to like, I don't want to go back to normal. Like I want to come out of this better. And this has definitely made me and I think my team better. And I think that that process alone has has been a great opportunity. And then you add in um, this process of of the tournaments and, you know, our NWSL team, the Houston Dash winning um, a championship when they were they were the underdogs. There's 201 odds for us to win this tournament. Um, and nobody thought that we would make any splash. And when we came out of, of our first match um, with a lot of excitement, we're like, okay, this, this is the real deal. Like we can actually do something here. And, um, when you have our games on CBS on a big network with great sponsor backing with secret and Budweiser, um, it really makes you believe that when you have the backing and everybody's working together and you believe in something, um, anything, anything is possible. And I think that that's what that team has allowed us to really, um, understand is that that possibility is there. If we all work together, um, if we stay together through the hard times, 
Um, we maximize off the great times. And then at the end of the day, hopefully we're celebrating those wins. And that's what we've done as a club. And um, now we're going to take that opportunity and maximize on it by connecting with the community and our corporate partnership community, especially. And um, we're going to hopefully be in a situation where we're going to convert a lot of that, that opportunity into actual revenue dollars um, that we can invest right back into the club and continue to build on that success. And this is the same thing on the Dynamo side as well. Yeah. And you mentioned that word community, right? And, and each and every team, you know, exists in the location that it does because it's a part of the community. It, it, you know, touches uh, people's lives in different ways. And I want to talk about kind of the transitions you've made from each place to place, right? Being a part of each different community and, and maybe some of the, the things that you learned along the way of how to transition from one city to the next. And mm-hmm. that's not, you know, uh, it's, it's typical, right, for, for a lot of people. Um, but the adaptation is not always the easiest. So for, for someone like yourself, you know, going from multiple uh, cities to cities, what's been the biggest piece of advice that you've either been given or you give to others about transitioning from one place to the next? You know, I think ultimately when I get to any, well, where it started for me was that, you know, you wanted, I wanted to be a difference maker and that being a difference maker can, can transcend and can, can transfer from each city. So that the core of it, like being able to, um, as you know, like a sports franchise and we saw it in Cleveland specifically probably more than anywhere. It's like when you win a championship and you lift a community up like that and you have 1.3 million people downtown for a parade, like you brought a pride to that city um, that will never go away. Like that's a powerful thing. And so when I get to do something or go to a city, like that's my ultimate goal. Like I would love to bring this, this organization, like bring this city a championship one. Um, and beyond that, you know, think something that's completely out of my control is winning a championship. So for me, it's about creating one of the best fan experiences possible, win or lose. Like when you come to a match, like we hope that that creates this opportunity for you to build a connection with, with whoever you came to the game with. Um, if it's a, on a personal level and if it's on a business level that we hope that it helps you grow your business or retain your business, um, whatever your objective is for coming to that. And that can happen city to city. And for me, it's like whether I'm in Indianapolis or Cleveland or Detroit or Houston or wherever other city that I might end up in, um, that contribution is is helping each of those communities and it doesn't separate. So um, when when I'm talking to somebody and this is actually a big topic of mine on my podcast, especially because it's challenging um, as a woman, specifically when you think about moving and being married and having uh, maybe your spouse who has a job and they're kind of grounded or you want to be closer to family or you have a family and moving can be really hard. Um, and so I always tell people like, at the end of the day, like you got to say, you got to say, focus on what your goals are. And if your goals is to grow your career and the opportunities in another city, and if you can make a difference in another city um, by working there, then you should go. And if you feel like you're making a difference right now and you feel complete and making that difference, whether it be in your personal life or at your professional life, um, then you should stay, you know? And I think that you have to, you have to just evaluate what you want for you um, for me and my family, like we love, we love the journey. Um, we love the opportunity to make a difference in multiple cities. And I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a opportunity that, that fulfills me. And so, um, I think it just depends on the individual, but I think you have to just process like, what are your goals? Um, and then how does that opportunity help you fulfill those goals? Yeah, you made a great point. And I, I like to use the word work-life integration, right? It's not <laughs> like balance. Yeah, everyone's got a balance. Yeah, priorities. Okay, everyone's got priorities, right? But how do you integrate 
work and life and life and work, right? Some, <laughs> some work to live, some live to work, right? And there's kind of that ongoing debate, depending on who you ask. But, you know, from an integration standpoint, for those who are listening, who might, you know, have kids just like you, or, you know, they, they've moved from place to place, like, what's the one thing that you know, you've learned outside of the goal setting, right? But, but just the, whether it's the struggle, the sacrifice, whatever it might be that has kind of helped you along the way. Yeah, I love I love that you brought this up because so on my podcast I always say like um, we, we completely debunk the the work life balance conversation because it doesn't exist. It's such an <laughs> awful thing to ask, and so I love how you use the term integration. I, I just say you know describe your lifestyle, and you know my lifestyle um, with my family is 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 one that um, it's ours. You know it's our it's our story, it's our family story, and I think that that's that's what's important, and it works for us. And so. Um, in my, in my situation, my, my husband, you know, he had a great career. Uh, he was an RN. Um, he has a bachelor's in nursing from University of Michigan. And when we found out we were having twins, um, it was a shock. <laughs> it was an absolute shock. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't preparing ourselves to have a family. Um, but, you know, life happens. And the question is, what are you going to do as life comes at you? And that's both personal and professional. And, and you have to make a decision on how you want to proceed. It didn't change my my pers- my professional goals, you know. At that point, um, it, oddly enough, when I found out we were we were pregnant with twins, I had already accepted the job with Teambo, um, and it was two weeks after accepting that job. So timing was very interesting. <laughs> um, and my husband, you know, my husband knowing um, how hard I've worked um, in supporting um, my goals, um, my goals were his, and his, you know, his are mine, and. So he, he raised his hand that he would stay home uh, for a year and we'd evaluate it. And honestly, a year has now become seven years and we have a third <laughs> child now. And, and, you know, I think the flexibility um, at first, I think it felt like a sacrifice, but now it feels like this is our life. This is what we built together. We have this beautiful family. We've had, we've had all these adventures of, of living in different cities um, and uh, discovering this country and in it just from a different perspective. And we've, we've really much, um, very much enjoyed it. So, um, I'm not saying it's always easy. I, I don't want to paint that picture. I mean, there's some places like, I'll, I'll be honest, like it wasn't easy to convince my husband to move from Michigan to Cleveland, hometown to Cleveland, um, at that point, because we had finally like got into a routine with these babies, you know? Um, but my opportunity was there at that point and everything felt right. I wasn't going to deny timing. Um, so we have to, we have to go. And so we go, and now it's like the last place he wanted to leave was Cleveland. (laughs) It became his favorite place, you know? And it's like every place we go, you give it six months to a year and you're like, wow, this, this city is great. It has so much to offer. It's like, you wouldn't even known that if we didn't take this kind of chance, you know? Um, so yeah, you gotta be open to it. You've gotta, you gotta, you know, if you, if you are married, if you have kids, like you just gotta think about how again, how it all flows into the life you want to have and the life you want to lead. Um, and, and when you, at the end of your life, when you look back, you know, you want to make decisions. So you don't have, you have very minimal regrets. And I think that that's the key. Um, and there's been opportunities where I passed up and I felt, oh, I felt very good about passing those opportunities up because it just did not make sense for the greater good of, of, of my family. Um, and now I've, I'm here and I'm so happy I'm here. So everything happens for a reason in that regard. No, everything absolutely does. And, and timing's a funny thing, right? You never know when <laughs> something is going to go right or wrong or, you know, left or right. And I think, you know, you couldn't have said it any better, right? And, and um, can't thank you enough for, for your time and, and your insights and your advice. Uh, any last words to leave with our listeners? And, and maybe this is another chance for you to plug 
uh, women blazers. No, I, no, I, I greatly appreciate it. You know, I, I think my lasting words are just, um, I hope everybody out there just gets an understanding that, you know, it's important that you realize that what we do every day, um, you, especially at this time, it, it's not, it's not like we're saving lives here, but we are, um, in a situation where we're, in, we're in an industry that we have a lot of influence, um, in our society and in this country. And, and so I think it's so important that we understand that from a leadership perspective um, and that that what we do does make a difference and it is important and it goes so much you know, far beyond um, the game. And, and it, I think that what we do every day is so important. And so um, be powered by that passion that you have and, uh, and keep striving for greatness and, and navigating forward successfully. And I think that that's, um, that would be my lasting um, note. And, and I hope that everybody takes a chance to Check out check out my podcast, Women Women Blazers, and hear from some incredible women um, who are just dominating this industry and are on this amazing path to blaze um, some some significant trails for other women in this industry. Yeah. No, your lineup's incredible, and and certainly, again, I, I you know as I'm thinking about our episode today. I said it at the beginning, but I really meant it, not even knowing what was coming after that. Uh, you know, you couldn't have been a better person for episode 175. So, Deanna, thank you. And uh, looking forward to definitely having you on again in the future. Well, thank you, Jake.